This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Welcome to the first edition, the maiden voyage of the Love of the Star podcast. Uh, I am Bobby Belt, Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan of Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. And I am pleased to be co-hosting this podcast with a uh, longtime friend and a longtime supporter of me. I, I would not be where I'm at in this business right now without his help. And that is a uh, former Super Bowl winning scout, Brian Broaddus. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bobby. Thank you very much for your kind words. I know when uh, presented the opportunity to do this with you, I couldn't say no. I really couldn't say no. I mean, if for for what you've done, your insight that you've done with uh, with the Cowboys, with 105.3 here the, you know, the past year, and then your work with the NFL Network, there's not a better insider uh, in this market that, uh, that that can talk Cowboys. So again, a great opportunity for me, but really a great opportunity for both of us and a great opportunity for us to, to interact with, uh, you know, Cowboy fans around the world. Yeah. Cowboys fans. And, and look, we also know, uh, love them or hate them. You, you want to know about them. So, so it's not even necessarily going to be the Cowboys fans. We may be talking to some, some Cowboys haters out there too. They, they, they can't stay away either. Uh, but look, one of the things, you know, I'd kind of mentioned on Twitter when we announced this podcast, um, was that, you know, I, I'm not into just hot taking this. I'm not into just, you know, shooting from the hip and, and clickbait and things like that. Just like anything else, when it comes to a Cowboys podcast, I think there, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. And we're going to make sure that we do this the right way and that we're bringing you guys, you know, thoughtful discussions. It's, it's like your, your slogan for the draft show, investigate and educate. We're going to try and do the same thing with the Cowboys overall here and, uh, you know, hopefully bring on uh, some of our, our really smart Cowboys, knowledgeable friends along the way. Uh, to help us, uh, you know, weigh in on some of these topics and, and help keep you guys up to speed with what's going on. It's going to be a very exciting year, uh, not just because of where the team's at and things like that, but we are also allowed back in the locker room this year. We're allowed to be with these players, talk to some of them, get some of those relationships back. We're going to be out at training camp, uh, bring you episodes out there. Uh, we're going to be bringing you guys two episodes a week up until when the season starts. And then when the season starts, you're going to be getting it three times a week. So you're going to get a full dose of us. And uh, always, as a reminder, I want you guys to know the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, extremely excited to get this going and uh, have a, an extra outlet for us to be able to talk about some of these things and, and do a deeper dive that sometimes radio doesn't allow us to. Um, just commercial radio, just because of the way it is. And Brian, here in the first segment, I just kind of wanted to go over some of the big storylines heading into 2022. Just kind of do a, a, a you know 10,000 foot view of, of where the Cowboys are right now. And 
I think the the big storyline of the offseason was the talent that they said goodbye to. And there was a lot of discussion of did they get better? Um, I think even, you know, Dalton Schultz at one point during the offseason had said, yeah, like, I mean, on paper, we don't have the same talent. And, and Dak uh, during OTAs had, had kind of acknowledged the same. Uh, you said goodbye to Amari Cooper, Lyle Collins, Randy Gregory. Is there a chance? Because I, I always go back to the Scott Pioli line of it's not the best 53 players, it's the right 53 players. Is there a chance that this could be a less talented team, but a better football team in 2022? You know, I think that to me, when I look at it, I don't I don't like a team that moves on from Amari Cooper, and I don't really like a team that moves on from Lyle Collins. And, you know, Randy Gregory was one of those things where – I don't know if necessarily the team was trying to move on from. I think his agent was more interested in moving on from the Cowboys than really Randy Gregory was. So that's one of those ones that kind of, you know, kind of takes me back a little bit. But, you know, you you look at the the players you've lost. You've lost three starters. And I know there's going to be plenty of these shows where we get into conversations of, and the fans want to know, well, hey, Brian, Bobby, how are the wide receivers looking? Well, well, hey, how's Terrence Steele doing at right tackle? You know, well, what's going on at right end? It's, you know, is Sam Williams really a legitimate player over there? Or, you know, what's going on? So, you know, you immediately – some of the bigger questions of the offseason are really tied to some of the losses that they've had. I mean, Terrence Steele was able to play, you know, at a, at a nice level, you know, for the majority of the season when he got the opportunity. But I think there's still some questions there at him. You know, I mean, I you and I, I'm sure, are going to get into this discussion about – if, if in fact, and again, maybe for another day, but if Connor McGovern ends up being the starting left guard for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm putting Tyler Smith in direct competition uh, with, with Terrence Steele at right tackle. I, I'm not going to just draft a guy, an offensive lineman that I think the world of right now, that just what I've seen, the power-wise, the strength-wise, the personality, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure he gets on the field. You know, and so, yeah, it's I I don't think you could say it's a better team where I think you could say it's a better team is that there are some guys that, you know, some second year players that have kind of shown some decent things in the OTAs and the minicamps. I love the fact that Dan Quinn was able to stay. I think you and I both were during last season were very worried about Dan Quinn leaving. Uh, You know, so the fact that they were able to keep their defensive staff intact. And, you know, a lot of the players, with the exception of Randy, and then you're going to get back like a Jabril Cox. You know, Leighton Vanderish signed back with a very reasonable contract. There's some things to get very excited about with this defense, much like when we were talking about the offense last year. We were all saying if the defense could just be middle of the road, this was going to be a really, really good football team. You know, they won 12 games. Their defense was better than middle of the road. It's their offense in the second half of the season that kind of hurt them you know, in, in, in some, in some ways. So uh, a lot going on. Uh, are they better? Eh, we'll see. I think we're better with experience and the fact that they kept the coaches, but you lost some key pieces along the way. It's interesting too, because I think if you looked at those were three really good players, they said goodbye to. Um, but I, I think if you looked at those three, I think a lot of people would agree the best of those three, the best football player you let go of was probably Amari Cooper. Yeah. And yet I, I kind of feel like coming out of OTAs, and I know the receivers didn't practice. Then, I kind of feel like you're actually 
better suited, even though he was the best one you said goodbye to, I think you're better suited to be able to weather the departure of Cooper than you are Collins and Gregory, because, uh, you know, I think if the pass blocking is there, if the offensive line is better, Dak is going to be better. I think Dak's moving better. I think Jalen Tolbert shows a lot of promise. So uh, even though I wouldn't want to say goodbye to any of them, I actually think Cooper might be the easiest one for them to kind of weather, especially because they it felt like they didn't use him the right way. If you weren't going to use him the right way, it's, it's kind of like, okay, I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I think there was a lot going on, Bobby. And the more that we dug into what was happening with Amari Cooper, you know, I, I, I really do feel like it was, you know, Amari Cooper played in all the games. But, you know, we interviewed Murray Cooper on our show on 105.3 The Fan, you know, on a weekly basis, and he was banged up. I mean, all the time. And we asked him questions. Well, what's hurting this time? Oh, ribs, quad, hamstring, foot. You know, there was always something wrong with him. And then, you know, by choice, he wasn't a vaccinated player. Then all of a sudden he got sick. He misses two really key games, the Kansas City game which if they'd have had any offense in the second half, they probably would have won that football game. And then the, 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 uh, the Vegas game became just a shootout. So, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, I think there were some things personally along the way. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I was hearing even before the season, there were conversations between the front office and his, uh, his agent about, you need to have a big year. If we're Mm going to do this, you need to have a big year. And, you know, he had a he had just a, a, a below average year, I think. And, you know, I mean, his best game was with Cooper Rush playing quarterback. You know, I mean, it's just whether he was too banged up or things just didn't work out with Dak. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm not sitting there just trying to blame Amari. I, you know, I'm looking at Kellen Moore. I'm looking at I'm looking at Doug Nussmeyer. I'm looking at the offensive line. I'm looking at Dak Prescott. There's a lot of reasons why that that certain players I think offensively weren't very good this year or this or this past year. Excuse me. There's going to be a lot of pressure on these coaches, particularly on the off- offensive side of the ball. I think the the team believes big time in, in these defensive coaches at this point. Um, you know, they they made sure that they kept Aiden Dirty. They made sure they kept Dan Quinn, Joe Witt. I, I think they kept those guys in place that they wanted to. Um, but you know, Joe Philbin, Kellen Moore, and obviously the Mike McCarthy discussion. As we head into this season, do you think Mike McCarthy is coaching for his job or, or, or have we oversold this any? No, I, I don't think so. And and the only reason I say that is because there are possibilities ahead and, you know, there's options ahead. Uh, we'll see what Sean Payton does for a year, you know, uh, what the TV angle that he takes. Uh, Dan Quinn, from what I've been told, Dan Quinn's contract is set up that he could very well just step in and be a head coach the way the contract is laid out. So he is getting paid like an NFL head coach. And so if something happens with Mike McCarthy, I think there's a lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy. I think there's a lot of pressure on Kellen Moore, Doug Nussmark, Joe Philbin. You know, let's, let's be real honest here. You know, there were a lot of problems with the offensive line in the second half of the season. Were those all on Joe Philbin? Eh, you know, probably not. But this group didn't get better. They couldn't run the ball. And, you know, I mean, Joe Philbin's a stand-up guy. You and I interviewed him after draft, and, you know, he was a stand-up guy about what they needed to do. So I I think that everybody on the offensive side of the ball is clearly on alert. And I think, you know, even Mike McCarthy is clearly on alert because if there comes a point in time where this offense doesn't have success, Mike McCarthy is going to have to step in and take over the primary play-calling role. 
to potentially save his job. Because what's going to happen is that if it doesn't work out in this staff, let's go, then all of a sudden Jerry Jones is going to turn to a Sean Payton or, you know, or does Sean Payton get this job? And then Sean Payton already says, well, wait a minute, I'll keep Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator. So there might be some things already lined up that if in fact, if in fact Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and this offensive staff does not get the job done, you know, we could be doing this show next year and it could be a completely different cast of characters. I know we've referenced this before. It's been part of the discussion and I've always thought it was a little exaggerated and I didn't think it was nearly as, as forefront in, in Jerry Jones's mind, but look, Jerry Jones turns 80 next year yeah, uh, or, or this upcoming year, October, Jerry Jones fought to have the COVID season harder than just about anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, lost his, his, you know, thought he had a really good football team that got bounced in the first round. I think time is of the essence here to the him. Yeah. And I think he feels like I don't have time to be playing around with this. I got to know this year, is this the coach that's going to do it or not? And so I think that that's a big part of this. Yeah, Bobby, he came out and just recently, you know, when they uh, made the World Cup announcements and mm-hmm. for 2026 of Dallas being a host city, you know, they were asked, he was asked about Mike McCarthy and he, Jerry is either going to go way one way or way the other way. There's no in between with Jerry. And I think you've got an excellent point there. You know, when I was working with Jerry Jones and he was in his fifties, that's a little bit different angle for him. You know, you feel like, okay, uh, I'm invincible. I can do this. You know, I can, you know, I'll have next season. You're absolutely right. Nobody fought harder in the NFL to play games during the COVID than Jerry Jones. Because, and I'm not trying to sound morbid here or anything like that. We're not all guaranteed, we're not all guaranteed tomorrow, you know, and that's the thing about it with Jerry Jones. You know, he doesn't have time for a season to be put in hold or put away. You know, he 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 can't afford that, you know, because none of us are guaranteed that. And so I, I think that with with Jerry, it's not going to be this, oh, well, let's give Mike McCarthy 10 years like he did Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that at all. If Especially with Sean Payton out there available, if need be, and then also the potential if Dan Quinn can do things well with the defense. It seems like everybody in the front office that I've talked to, and you talk to a lot of the same guys I do, Bobby, they love Dan Quinn. They yeah. absolutely love Dan Quinn and what he brings every day. Yeah, and, and not to be, you know, you were referencing it there where you said not to be morbid, and it's not. I mean, I mean, it, it comes down to the fact it's that old line, father time is undefeated. It's, it is undefeated, yeah. Just the way it goes. All right, uh, we're about to throw a break here. Before we do, just a quick question, because this has been something that's been discussed a lot, and we, we kind of referenced that maybe they took a talent step back. Do you still think this is the best team in the NFC East? I do. I, I'd say that because I think the quarterback's the best quarterback in the NFC and, and the NFC East, and you know, I think that, you know, but, hey, I thought he was the best quarterback in the playoff games against San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, take that in, you know, 450 and go get you a Starbucks. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I mean, you know, I do feel like I do feel like Philadelphia has gotten better. I do feel like that the, the Giants have gotten better. Their front office better. They're better head coached now, better, better coaching staff. You know, uh, we'll see what happens with the injuries and the skill players. I feel like the commanders are, you know, the commanders are in a situation right now with all that's going on with their owner. But, you know, the the head coach there I think is a solid guy. 
defensively, that was a big shock how poorly they played, especially early in the season on third down. But I think that they'll – I think things will come back around for them, but we'll see. I, Dak Prescott, to me, is better than Carson Wentz, you know, and that's that's his quarterback and at the commanders right now. No, that's because you're not Dan Orlovsky, Brian, you know. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break here on the love of the star. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that we feel better about after attending these OTA and minicamp practices and some of the things that we're, we're still a little uneasy about. That's coming up next here on the love of the star. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through the Fan, alongside Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning scout, also uh, host from 2 to 7 on the G-Bag Nation on 105 Through the Fan. You can follow Brian on Twitter, at Brian Broaddus. That's Brian with a Y. Get that right, uh, because he'll, he'll let you hear about it on Twitter. And I'm Bobby Belt CX. Uh, Brian, so we, we got a chance to go to some of these OTA and minicamp practices. The very shortest minicamp of all time, which is kind of hilarious to me. They, they were allowed three minicamp practices. They only took one, and then they just, you know, did team building. Like they trust. the finish line. They were at the finish line. They, they were, apparently. Yeah, even though that last practice we saw about 40 penalties. And so that was right. And this is also keeping in mind that they had practiced. They already got fined this year, but they practiced too hard last year, and they lost an OTA day this year. And yet they still thought they didn't need the two days of minicamp, but okay. Uh, so we got to see uh, a lot of these practices. I want to talk about some of the things that we feel better about. Uh, maybe we, we had some questions about uh, coming into these summer practices that we feel a little better about now. Maybe some things we have some uneasiness about still, or maybe some new questions we have, some new concerns we have that we weren't even thinking about. And I got to say, the first thing that stuck, stuck out to me when we went to that first practice, and I remember I came over and sat by and told you about it, is that to me, well, we'll start with the positive. To me, Dak Prescott is moving like Dak Prescott of old. Because I remember you had talked about it at training camp and OTAs last year. When you first saw him, you're like, man, it's it doesn't look the same. He, he's kind of lumbering, getting out to the side. It, it looks like it's an effort. It takes a little bit for him to get going. And I know that concerns people because they get visions of Jalen Smith, who always needed to kind of get going after his injury before he could get ahead of steam. Uh I feel so much better about his movement skills after watching these practices. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing that, that's great about Dak Prescott, Bobby, and, and I, I think I'm talking to the guy who's the biggest Dak Prescott fan there is and the other than the, his family members. I'm a fan but, of great quarterbacks, Brian. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, you know, yeah, the, he Dak is always going to be in the best physical condition he can. He's always mm – -hmm. You know, he's always going to be a hard worker. He's always going to be the due diligence, the attention to detail, you know, getting his body, the everything that he needs to do to get right. I mean, we'll, we'll get out to Oxnard and it's like, you know, damn, Dak physically looks good. He's moving around and all that. I, and I think, there's, I think there's something to that because, to me, when I watch Dak Prescott play, when he's involved in the game, and I say this a bunch on the radio, and I, I do, I believe it with my heart, my scout eyes that – he used to evaluate players. He's one of those guys that when he gets in the flow of the game, when he takes a hit, when he delivers a hit, 
when he gets uh, tackled, it 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 brings him to a point in time that he understands, okay, this is what it's going to take today. You know, he's not a quarterback. I, I think Dak likes the rough and tumble aspects of, of playing quarterback. You know, I think he likes carrying the ball and being a, a part of that. You know, last year there were times where he was sacked at the line of scrimmage, yard behind the line of scrimmage. You know, I mean, it was just right there. And it was maybe a little bit too much indecision. But now maybe a healthier Dak, uh, a more, uh, uh, you know, more uh, if you look at his body and his calf and, you know, everything about it. I mean, I, I think the, the old ankle thing, I think that's behind him. The calf thing, I think, clearly was a problem last year yeah. for him. But once he got past all that, you know, you started to see the guy, the more the rough and tumble type of a player. And I think that's what I think that's what Cowboy fans need to look at. If you, you know, when Dak gets involved and he starts feeling the game, he's a much better quarterback. You know, there was discussion. I know we've talked about this a lot. The team very clearly wanted to get tougher. They felt like they were too much of a finesse football team last year. And it's interesting because, like you mentioned, it's almost like when the game gets more physical, Dak comes alive. Mm-hmm. And when he reached a point where it's like, this is the third time I've been hurt in about nine weeks of time on the field. And I think it gave him a little bit of injury PTSD and it, it made him concerned to get hit. And it didn't allow him to get into that. When your quarterback plays off of that physical style and he's not able to, to engage in that, it, it, you, I think you see how it flows down to the rest of the football team. Right, right. No, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I love it. You know, one of my favorite stories about when Dak was at Mississippi State was when, you know, Mississippi State was number one in the country for several weeks. And it was really all because of Dak Prescott. They had some good players, don't get me wrong. You know, guys, NFL players, but not a ton. And so scouts were going in there and going, wait a minute, this is the number one team in the country. Where are all the players? Where are all the skill guys? Where are all the defenders? Where are all, you know, and it's like, no, you know, Dan Mullen's like, no, it's, it's quarterback. It's quarterback. And that's the thing about it. I remember against my alma mater at LSU, Dak Prescott just torched him, throwing, running. That's the kind of player he is. You know, he he he's a feel player. And I mean, feel did he when he feels the level of the intensity of the game and the physicality that's part of the game, I think it makes him a much better player. It kind of that drives him. That drives him to to compete, you know, and compete on a really high level. And, you know, I think that the Cowboys, I mean, Jerry Jones came out and Everybody was like, no, don't run, Dak, don't run, don't be this, don't do that. And I, I think that honestly took away from Dak Prescott one of his greatest strengths. And hopefully that will be back when we get to auction art. You'll see him moving around. And then when the season kicks off, him him doing what he needs to do uh, to escape the pocket, play outside the pocket, and you know make those six, seven, eight-yard runs and then get down and you know live to fight another day. One of the other things I was really encouraged by – after after watching things and I had felt coming into rookie minicamp and then OTAs and into minicamp, I had felt like we were going to see progress from Tyler Smith just after talking to people at the organization who talked about his work ethic and then getting to see the personality. And that's the kind of stuff we've talked about this before. When, when we're doing draft season, like we can really only kind of evaluate the player. We don't we don't get to know the person, the mental makeup, the work ethic, all that kind of stuff. That's those are the aspects of it. Medical that we, we don't have that piece of it. Um, 
But after talking to some people, I felt like, okay, this is going to get better. And I know we all talked about the hands have to get better right. and the feet have to get better. And those all did. And, and consistently, I think you saw him progress just about every practice. He was better than the last. One of the interesting things that he talked about, I was at his locker uh, the last week of OTAs and talking to him about, you know, hey, what's been the big point of emphasis? And we were all talking about hands. We we're all talking about feet. He said the big point of emphasis for them. And it makes sense. It's been the elbows. Yeah. Keep those elbows tight. You keep those elbows tight. It's hard to grab on if you're keeping your elbows where they're supposed to be. It's hard to get to those shoulders. And I think consistently that's one of the things you saw. He's he's taking it. He's internalizing the coaching. That's great for Joe Philbin. That's great for Tyler Smith. And that's great for the Cowboys as a whole. I felt really encouraged. I know we're still looking at Connor McGovern taking some steps at le- snaps at left guard. But I felt really encouraged. Like, if they start Tyler Smith week one, I think he's he's going to be an NFL-ready guard. There will be some growing pains, but I think he's going to be an NFL-ready guard. Yeah, Bobby, I think you're absolutely right. And, I, I you know, I'm going to be honest with you. The way that they were talking about Tyler Smith after the draft, post-draft, they were talking about a left side player, whether left tackle or left guard. And he's seen a lot of work at both spots. You know, what's been really surprising to me is what's the reemergence, I guess, of Connor McGovern, you know, and maybe it's not one of those things where I kind of felt like that if you were going to take Tyler Smith in the first round or whoever you were going to take, whether it was the Boston College guard or whoever, whoever was going to be that that player. I felt like that was a plug and play guy. At you know when they picked, I felt plug and play, plug and play, plug and play. That's their guy. And you know right now it it hasn't been plug and play. You know, but that's not to take away from Tyler Smith because when Tyler Smith has had a bad rep, he's come back with four really good reps. And you're absolutely right. You know when he gets in trouble, it's when he gets beat with quickness and the hands go from inside to grab the breastplates, you know, of the control where he's super strong. If I mean, we we watched him take, you know, uh, Micah Parsons, and Micah Parsons gave him his chest. And what did Smith do? Smith just grabbed him and held him in place. You know, where Smith gets in trouble is when he misses with his hands and then they end up on the shoulder pads of the outside part of the shoulder. And then that's when all of a sudden out, when he's out in space, that's when he's going to get called. Now, when he plays guard, it's going to happen quick. I mean, if he gets beat, that guy's right on top of him. And, you know, the hands can be bad and all that. So his hand placement, how he fires his hands, how his hands and his feet work together, the quicker he gets all that going the right way, the quicker he's going to be able to compete right now for a spot, whether that's at left guard. But like I mentioned in the opening, if all of a sudden Connor McGovern is winning that left guard spot, then I'm taking Tyler Smith and I'm competing him at right tackle because I think he's a stronger, better player at tackle over there than than say what you would have with Terrence Steele. Before we uh, jump into some of the things that maybe we're still concerned with, was there anything else that really stood out to you during these OTAs is like, hey, this is a, a positive thing that I learned over the last month? Yeah, I, I kind of felt like when you when you looked at, say, some of the defensive line – I really enjoyed watching the defensive linemen work as a as a group, as a group. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say individual guys. I mean, I just think as a group, even when you watch them split up, defensive tackles, defensive ends, that was a group that was super impressive to me. I mean, there were some things going on at receiver that we want to forget about, 
you know, maybe because of injuries. The quarterbacks, you know, that group was kind of all over the place. The tight ends kind of up and down. But when you watched these defensive linemen go through drills, go through teamwork, go through the group setting, things like that, boy, I felt good as that. I felt good about that group. I really, really did. And, again, it's, you know, and, and we're starting to see some guys. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Dante Fowler here, you know, and and can he – can he, you know, find that, find that magic that he had with Dan Quinn? I'm fascinated by the whole thing with Chauncey Golston moving to three technique. You know, I think that's a, you know, that's a big, big thing. I know a lot of people are talking about Osa Odigizua and people like that, but I think it's fascinating that they're going to move Golston inside like that. But I, I, as a group, I really, really liked what I saw from those defensive linemen. Some of the concerns, some of the negativity, you referenced it a little bit there. One of the things that really was was concerning to me is that, you know, they, they went from having a really, you know, strong receiving group at the top and some really good depth behind it. This is not a deep receiving core right now. Um, you know, James Washington practiced a lot of the time. Uh, Jalen Tolbert had, had missed some practice there, obviously, without Michael Gallup. But, man, the, the guys behind them, there's not a lot of depth. It felt like some of these, you know, receivers who, who you're going to be counting on in the preseason probably to take some snaps, there, there's not a lot of, of good there coming out of these no, practices. No, and, you know, I mean, you're talking about guys like Dennis Houston, you know, who got a lot mm-hmm. of work. Uh, uh Roberson. Yeah, Roberson. I mean, I mean, guys got, I mean, uh, Vasher, guys, I mean, got a lot of work. And usually at these OTAs, we get excited about a guy that like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, you know, it was hard to get excited about that wide receiver core. It really, really was. And, you know, the more I watched it, the more I was like, and then there was a that one practice that we got to see the, uh, the, the, uh, Mini camp or the OTA practice where, you know, where there was no CD lamb and now mm-hmm. you're really struggling, you know, and then you're watching Dak Prescott trying to throw the ball to these guys, you know, and it's, you know, Jalen Tolbert was at least out there working, but man, Jalen Tolbert, I'm just going to be honest, Bobby. He can't miss practices. He can't, yeah. he can't get to Oxnard and get a soft tissue injury, a hamstring or one of those things. It's going to be tough. He's going to run a ton, but he's got to stay healthy. I mean, I was more encouraged watching Michael Gallup go through drills with Britt Brown than I was the backup wide receivers trying to catch balls. You know, I'm like, well, maybe maybe Michael Gallup will only miss one game. Maybe it won't be three games. Maybe it'll be one game. You know, but I, I couldn't get very encouraged by the wide receiver crew. No, and I I know we both had some concerns about where the swing tackle position looks, and I think that's a, a big reason why you've talked about let Tyler Smith go out there and compete if he's not going to be left guard. Let him just you know function as as somebody who can compete at tackle, um, and and let him learn that right side. Uh, Matt, well, let's go had some good practices or at least some solid practices. He he wasn't great, um, but 
he was going to have a little bit of a baptism by fire, having to come in and take some first team snaps at times. Um, he, he had a really rough final mini camp practice, but overall was okay. Uh, but Josh Ball still continues to struggle. So that that I wasn't totally comfortable with feeling how that swing tackle position is coming out. I was not excited that James Washington didn't get in any time with Dak during the, these things up until camp. Uh, as we wrap up here, is, is there anything else that stood out to you? It's just like, man, I, I, I still have a lingering question here as we head to Oxnard. Yeah, I just I think it's what's going to happen at left guard, and has 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 Connor McGovern come back from the dead? You know, I mean, is this going to be a is this going to be a real competition, or are we going to see Tyler Smith immediately get opportunity to 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 start there? And and you're and you're right. Is this going to be where practices for wide receivers are not very good, and then all of a sudden the Cowboys are going to have to make a move because they. They really don't trust anybody. So Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones have proven in the past in the past that they they are willing to make moves to get a wide receiver. Coming up next on the Love the Star podcast, we're going to take some of your Twitter mailbag questions. As a reminder, once again, uh, the Love of the Star podcast is an Odyssey podcast. You can find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, But we'll be back with some of your questions here on the Love the Star podcast. Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt alongside Brian Broadus. And we're going to be taking your Twitter questions. We solicited some questions on social media. So we're going to go through some of those now. Uh, I'm going to jump off here with our, our old buddy, our old uh, 105 Through the Fan teammate, Nate Wood, at It's Nate Wood on Twitter. Uh, he says, I know you guys have probably discussed this a lot, but do you think Kellen could be successful trying to pull off a Debo role for Tony Pollard? Eight-ish carries, six-ish targets, couple of screen sweeps. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, for so many years now, it seems like that we've, as fans, uh, as analysts, have asked to you know, get Tony Pollard more involved. You know, and, and what's going to be a real shame is that if all of a sudden – that they do get Tony Pollard really involved, and then he walks away, that kind of thing. And, and you never had the vision to do, you know, say they do get him in a Debo Samuel role. I mean, it, yeah, he, he absolutely – he's a better running back than Debo Samuel. He he catches the ball. He's a, he's very capable of catching the football. You know, there's things you could do with Tony Pollard, but the is there a willingness there from Kellen Moore to do it? We see it in OTAs. We see it in mini camps. We see it in training camps. And then when it comes, when the rubber meets the road during the regular season, it might be one or two things that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. And so, you know, I I kind of feel like though that, um, yeah, I'd love to see it, but is it going to be just eye candy that we get at training camp? And then when the regular season starts, there's no, no, no factor of it. I, I just think that's the I think that's a bad way to go. Yeah, I I feel like we're going to see an increased role for Tony Pollard. I think they are going to, you know, get him some more work. Uh, I think he will be playing receiver a little bit more. But yeah, it's, it's tough for me to envision them getting him into a Debo Samuel type role or and obviously Debo Samuel's a freak and a, a different type of player. And I don't think that Nate's comparing them as, as but just use that kind of a gadget player. Wait, Percy Harvin gets used or yeah. Ty Montgomery was used in the past in, in Mike McCarthy's offense. So um, I, I think we'll see an increase. I don't know how 
if we'll see it used to that extent there there's there's a lot of people who want tony pollard to get more work in that building right now mm-hmm. um but it's you know there, there's only so many touches to go around and and there's certain ways that they like to run their offense i will say one of the interesting things that we saw at uh camp and i know we can't divulge too much about packages and stuff like that it was it did feel like i know we talked about it without getting into specifics i know we did see some routes that it's like man they're practicing some routes that yeah these routes i don't, I don't recall seeing these practice or in games last year and so i do think they're trying to do some different things there uh question here from el shungo at e-s-c-h-u-n-g-o uh if kelvin joseph gets a long suspension by the nfl because he is still potentially going to be disciplined by the league. I would expect something will come from that. I don't know what. Uh, will the Cowboys sign a free agent or roll with the young guys like Nashawn Wright and Deron Bland? Yeah, I think they'll roll with the, the young guys, even though they do have the money and are capable of going out and getting a veteran guy. You know, you might even be in a situation, too, where you trade a little bit of a surplus, you know, surplus being maybe one of these defensive linemen, maybe for a corner. You know, uh, you know, if, if that can work. But, yeah, if, if Kelvin Joseph does get suspended, yeah, you're, you're going to see them. You're going to see them just try and work with uh, Nishan Wright and guys like that. I, I just don't see them getting a, a veteran guy. Yeah. And look, Nishan Wright has been dealing with some sort of injury. We haven't seen him at a lot of these practices. He's been inside on bikes and stuff like that. We haven't seen a lot of him. Deron Bland, on the other hand, we have seen him at some of these practices. We've seen him make some plays at times, and I know they came out of this these summer practices impressed with how he looked. I'm not saying he's going to you know, take a starting job here, but I think they felt good about Deron Bland's progress, and not that they're upset with Nashawn Wright or anything, but I think they felt better about where Deron Bland is after these practices than maybe they felt where Nashawn Wright yeah, was. That's, you're absolutely right, Bob. That's This is where... And then we also have to be careful because if these wide receivers who we think can't get open and can't, you know, catch the ball as well as they need to, all of a sudden if Bland and guys like that are going against receivers that are struggling, then, you know, maybe we it's fool's goal that we think, oh, look, Bland, look what he's doing. Look what Wright's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, who are they covering? You know, I mean, if it's, if it's good versus good, you kind of get a better feel. We might not know how some of these – young corners play until we get to those practices against Denver, you know, with their wide receiver core, the Rams with their wide receiver core, you know, I mean, it might take that, you know, initially we all, we all want to get it the first two days of camp and get really excited about guys. And it's our job. Like, Hey, guys playing well, guys playing well, you know, we're, Oh, that guy's playing well. That's all fine. But, you know, you might not really, really, really know about these corners until these practices and then some of these preseason games. Absolutely. Uh, we got a question from Robert Elias on Twitter. He says, if someone offered to take Zeke off of your hands and all of his remaining contract for a Cowboys third round pick, would you take it? So basically you trade a third just for somebody to take the contract. I personally would not like I mean, I, I think Zeke's contract is an albatross, but you've got it for this year. You could move on next year. I don't want to give up a third rounder just to have them off the books this year. I don't no, know. I, if you were going to do that, that was a couple of years ago that you do that with. So, no, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it, depending on, you know, there's groups out there now that are talking about the top running back tandems in the league and the top 10 and Dallas is in the top five, I think, with that whole thing. So, 
no, I, I, I just ride it out one more year uh, and then and then worry about it in the spring, uh, what you want to do, whether you want to keep the contract or move on from it. Joe T on Twitter, what are McGovern's weaknesses after watching the games he started last year? Brian, yeah. I don't know what your thought is on on his specific play weaknesses. I think something that you and I both have an understanding of is I know one of the things that this team thinks is his weakness and why it's so interesting that there's kind of been this resurgence is I think that they, they wondered if he had the, the football IQ, if, if, he, if he had that's the mental true. processing. And so that's yeah. interesting to me that, cause that typically doesn't just get better. Um, yeah. If you have those questions, you generally have those questions. So I know that mental processing is a big part for them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, you and I talking to some of the same guys and they, the first thing they'll tell you is they love the fact that he's a strong guy. They don't, think he's the best athlete in the world but they feel like though the biggest thing that holds him back are the mental the mental side and i'm not saying he's a dumb guy but there's some there's some things some recognition things that that he misses on and when you miss on recognition things playing guard it happens really quick inside and then to have to recover and you're not athletic enough to recover when you mess up things mentally it kind of puts you in a bad spot. And that's what happens to Connor McGovern uh, occasionally. But again, I mean, he is, he has risen from the dead. You know, I mean, every time I've watched a practice and I know you were there too, Bobby, all the ones we got to watch Connor McGovern was getting the majority of the work at left guard for, uh, for this football team. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I think there's a, a, a bit of a misnomer that the idea of like the offensive line of like, Oh, it's just these, you know, buffet eating like like you know dummies sitting there whatever it is a very that's why it's not it's not a criticism of Connor McGovern is like oh this is some dumb guy it's a very mentally taxing position um I know I was talking to one guy in the league circles who had told me that outside of quarterback to them it was the most mentally demanding position on the football field and so there's a lot that you have to that, that goes into that um Another question here, but this is one we got a lot. So I want to make sure we have time to fit this one in uh, so that we don't run out of time. So this one kind of captures everything. Uh, this from J Ray underscore 55. After the likely first round playoff exit this year, will Jerry really go all in for Sean Payton? Or is this just an off season narrative to keep the Cowboys in the headlines? Serious question. Now, we got many variations of that is, is about Sean Payton being the next guy or is it Dan Quinn? I, I feel like the, the leader in the clubhouse, if you were to move on from Mike McCarthy, I feel like the leader in the clubhouse to be the next head coach of the Cowboys is Dan Quinn. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know where you fall down on that. Part. No, no, I agree. I agree. I think I think the, the way this could work is if Sean Payton, if, if you're really, really trying to evaluate, and I, and I know this is a terrible way of saying it, but with, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, I mean, you know, if you really – Want if the off if Mike McCarthy and Doug Nussmeyer and Kellen Moore fail and Joe Philbin fail Dak Prescott so badly that now you're like wow we've got this quarterback on a high ticket uh, you know do we salvage or do we move on and you know if I'm Jerry Jones Stephen Jones I'm thinking well Sean Payton. Look what he's done over the years. I mean, he's done stuff with quarterbacks that aren't even quarterbacks winning games. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, 
I, my first call would probably be to him because I want to do everything in my power to help Dak Prescott. But it also might be a situation where if Dan Quinn gets his job, all right, Dan, who do you have to help Dak Prescott? And if that if Dan doesn't come up with somebody good enough offensively that can help really help this offense, I'm going full after I'm going full after Sean Payton, and I'm telling Dan Quinn, you're going to be one of the highest paid defensive coordinators in the league, you know. And that's how I would handle that. But if Dan Quinn doesn't have a good plan, and I think Dan Quinn is the leader in the clubhouse, but I will also say, depending on how badly Dak Prescott plays or how well he plays will determine if this is going to be an offensive coach or a defensive coach. If Dak Prescott plays great, it might save everybody's job, you know, but we'll see. And last question here from at Dallas underscore Golay. By the end of the season, who do you expect to have a bigger impact on the passing game? James Washington, Jalen Tolbert, or Michael Gallup? I would say uh, if it's not Michael Gallup, I think that that means there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I think Tolbert – I will say this, though, about rookie wide receivers. It used to be it was hard for rookie wide receivers to have any kind of success in the league. But now these guys have come in. They play in offenses that throw the ball a ton. They run routes. They learn separation. They catch a lot of passes. So the learning curve is not as small. And I think with Tolbert, I wouldn't be surprised, again – He's going to have to stay healthy. He, you know, I hope he doesn't hit the rookie wall in week 12 where all of a sudden these college players, you know, they their bodies just stop because they're used to playing college football 12 games and that's it. So, you know, my hope is that Tolbert can can come in, stay healthy, continue to learn. He's very he's very talented. You know, he he could definitely have a very productive year. But again, it's going to be a matter of him being able to stay healthy and be on the field. I felt really good, even though we were limited at the amount of practices that Dak and Tolbert got together. I did feel really good about the connection we saw when he was out there. And so I think that that's a positive. All right. Well, that is uh, episode one of Love of the Star in the books. Uh, As we've been telling you today and and as we'll continue to remind you, I know we've gotten this question a lot on on Twitter of like, hey, where where can I find it? Is it just going to be in one place? Uh, This is an Odyssey podcast, but and it can be found on the Odyssey app, but you can also find it wherever you get your podcasts. And we hope that you'll tune in, subscribe, you know, give it a a five-star rating or, or or whatever rating system they ask of you on whatever platform you look at. Uh, but we're going to be with you all season, and, and we're really excited to do this. Uh, so for Brian Broaddus, I am Bobby Belt. We will talk to you again next week.